Hey guys, this is Chargers running back Joshua Kelly, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Much love. Aight. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolts podcast. Sod Thor's hammer is all about Telesco's hammer. I want to see him getting absolutely destroyed. He is quite the beefy dude. Telesco hammer. Only three things worse than uh, microwave tea. Raiders, Chargers special teams, and Sheffield Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast we bring you the latest Chargers news, we preview and review every Chargers game, and we bring you the hottest off-season content around to bring you the hope you need for the Chargers' march to the Super Bowl in 2021. Guys, it's been a better week for Chargers fans, hasn't it? Doesn't it feel much better? better were to have the fog lifted to get a win in the same fashion that we tend to lose to every other team a last minute field goal beats the ch- chargers of the nfc the falcons uh, as they throw away the game and choke out for a last minute field goal from badgley when does that ever happen when do when do we ever end up on the winning end of a game-ending field goal. It's it's happened. It was a fantastic feeling. It didn't even affect, affect the draft because the Cowboys lost. We maintained the, the draft position. There were positives. There were some negatives. It was a great, I think, recovery after the Patriots game, but there were some stinking coaching decisions to go with it. So uh, we're going to analyse all of that. We're going to preview Raiders week. Jesus, I hate them. Um, and why we think it's more important to beat them. Uh, than it is to maintain draft position. Uh, guys, I am joined by, well, two slash three amazing co-hosts. I'll explain later. First up, it is our leader, our fearless leader, John Was Jr. Good evening, Bez. You can't be that much of a good week because uh, Wednesday are on the down again. Are we losing, yeah. aren't we, to Forest? Shocking. O- only three things worse than uh, microwave tea. Raiders. Chargers special teams and Sheffield Wednesday. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, mate, and we're also joined by the hero that is Mr. New Daddy, Dan King. Hey, Bez, how you doing? I missed you, buddy. How are you doing? Yeah, not just He's tired. Just tired, man. He's got some bags under <laughs> his Not too bad, there. just tired. <laughs> Sleep is overrated, and you will be saying that for many years to come. It just means it's... I can stay up and watch the NFL. Oh, yeah. Over several days, I know, no doubt. <laughs> Um, we are not yet joined by Mr. Costa Rica because he is joining us a little later for some of the uh, content we have coming up. Um, we have a rampack show, so I'll introduce him when he when he deigns us with his presence, uh, Mr. John Ayres. Um, in the meantime, uh, what are you guys drinking to celebrate a victory, which is a rarity in the last two years? Oh, I've got up in the world today. No tea. It's cherry coke. The best drink. Zero Get in. Sugar. There's always got to be someone on Cherry <laughs> What are you on, Dan? Something funk- funky today? Yeah, it's um just water. <laughs> He's taking over the mantle. <laughs> Shocking. This is outrageous. Like I'm the only one celebrating. I am on my my new favourite beer. Um, it's the Cerveza Pacifico, which is uh, obviously they sponsor the Chargers, and hopefully soon they sponsor us. We'll see. Um, but it is really nice. And if you are in the alcohol aisle, um, I won't tell you who to buy because no one sponsors us yet. But <laughs> we'll um, we, we'll see in due course, um, guys. We are going to start off uh, with previewing the Falcons game, the victory. We are going to move on, and we're going to talk about 
the keys to beating the Raiders and why it's really important to beat them. And we're then going to give some off-season teasers to our listeners. Yes, that beautiful off-season content is here, ready to go in advance. We're going to tell you um, who we think needs to be extended, cut, re-signed. You know, this free agent situation, there's some money to be saved if we cut some underperforming players. We're going to look at, uh, at people we think you should look out for in the free agent market for Telesco to to go after if they hit the open market and we're going to just to take a little preview of the offensive side of the ball for the draft so we're going to give you a bit of content to sink your teeth into so you can if you're starting to watch college games if you're keeping an eye on some of the playoff contenders you can see who we think are worth watching that could be a charger in 21 um, and keep an eye on some performances as we round out the Chargers season um, let's start with the uh, the Falcons game. I keep thinking it's the Patriots game. I'm still so scarred from that 45-0 defeat. I think I'm stuck there. But we have righted that wrong. We beat the Falcons. Uh, Badgley um, kicked the winner uh, in, as time expired. He is still undefeated, if you wish, uh, with 40 yards or less. What stuck out for you guys in this victory? How are you feeling, Dan? Feeling pretty good about it. Um we managed to charge a less than the Falcons. Um, yeah, there were a few baffling decisions, but Herbert looked strong again. And more importantly than anything else, I think we got a good Austin Eckler game. Um, but 24 touches, 140-something yards. Um, he's quality, isn't he? Yeah, he's just dynamic um, and just brings that extra kind of push to the team. Was what, what were you watching? What stuck out for you? What are you really excited about for 21 because of what you saw against the Falcons? The fact that we managed to bounce back and put points on the board. I was concerned after that shutout against the Patriots that it would affect the morale and the confidence of some of our key players, uh, including Justin Herbert. But we bounced back. The Falcons should have won that game. You know, Matt Ryan's turnovers ultimately handed the uh, the gauntlet to us, but it's just great to see us competing. Three interceptions, pass protection uh, was okay. I think we, we, we could have done better uh, on offense and defense. Special teams showed up. What's that all about? What is that all about? 77- it's almost like they had a new coach. 77-yard yeah, uh, punt return, that, that was good yeah, to see. Yeah, we might have found our returner. Badgley making his two field goals, doing his job. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen the special teams catastrophes all season. But two four and nine teams, two up and down teams, struggling uh, in twenty twenty. Not really surprising that the Falcons didn't come away with a win. They probably sat at home now kicking themselves. But I just wanted to see us staying healthy, and I wanted to see Herbert making some positive plays. And some of those passes, just unbelievable. That first touchdown pass to Keenan Allen, it's an absolute dime. It's a missile, you know, rolling out to his right under pressure. You know, Keenan uh, running away towards the uh, um, the edge there and uh, great take. And, and I think that's indicative of what Justin's been doing all season. Um, so that, that was a big positive. It's just actually seeing him being able to sling the ball around. And as you said, Dan, Eckler, that's his third game now since his return with net yards, yardage of 100 yards or more. Massively important to this team. Um, 
I would argue he's one of the most underrated offensive players in the NFL. And I think if you one of those uh, fans that doesn't keep an eye on the AFC West and the Chargers in particular, Eckler could potentially be one of those under-the-radar players. But we know what he brings to his team. He fights for every yard. And I think there was one play in the first uh, quarter. I think he, he was trying to basically move the chains for a first down. I'm just thinking, please don't let that hamstring snap. You know, the force that he generates through those legs is absolutely crackers. And, um, you know, he's he's still, by his own admission, not 100% on that left leg, but he came up with the goods. Um, Yeah, it was just positive. People might argue that we should be tanking for for a higher draft pick. I don't like to see us losing games. I do like to see players growing with confidence and, and certainly it's important that we won that game heading into three divisional matches to finish off the season. And hey, it didn't affect things in the end. We still we won and we're still in yep. fourth, I believe. Um, we're t- talking huge, about... huge, yeah. Yeah, talking about Eckler there. Um, there's one thing I, I don't know if I've mentioned before, but having watched a billion Panthers games, he's... I don't want to call him McCaffrey light, um, because he is not liked. He is quite the beefy dude. <laughs> um, but he does, he has a very similar play style. He's, he's not as good as McCaffrey and few people are or have been in recent years, but he's got the same skill set and is used in the same way. And you just seen it with both those teams, with those guys missing, the teams have not succeeded. But as soon as, as soon as you get him back, things start clicking, you start moving the chains, you start completing the short passes. Um, and we just need to look forward to hopefully seeing more of that connection next year between Herbert and Eckler. Yeah, I think the the, the danger here is the Chargers listed him as questionable on Monday, which is understandable coming into a short week. I think the entire roster's on that uh, questionable list as we record this podcast on a Tuesday. So slide and glide today, lots of ice, ice bath tomorrow, walkthroughs. I don't envisage the team will be going through any contact drills. At this stage of the season, there's not a lot that you're going to learn, is there? If you haven't picked up the game now or picked up the plays, you've probably got problems. So it's going to be the same for the Raiders as well. They're on a short week. But, uh, you know, we got the win. Move on. Well, you know, that's that's the key. You know, we got the victory. And I've said this before, as much as you want to preserve... um, the draft position you want to instill a winning culture in this team and if that starts now and we drop a couple of positions of the draft you know I, I was joking during the game on Twitter lose come on you know I want to uh, I want to preserve that draft but actually no I want to win I want us to keep winning because winning is infectious once you start you can keep momentum and so when you get on a losing streak even if you, you have a benefit from a losing streak getting out of that funk is very challenging so you know I'm pleased that that happened some big big people stood up Jesus we're really going to go into 21 with with Jalila Dye as a safety for us aren't we because he actually had a a great game and sometimes you have to put your your preconceptions aside and say do you know what he stepped up his his reaction times were fantastic um, which was just bizarre to watch well if, if you just said look put aside the fact that we think the coaching decisions from Lynn have been poor and let's just imagine we, you know, we want to support our team and get optimistic for the future. It isn't too much of a stretch to say, you know, we've lost Eckler, as you mentioned, huge impact. Uh, Derwin James, Melvin Ingram, we've missing half, well, three of our starters for 
of the O-line for a large period of time. We've been missing, you know, half our secondary linebackers. It, it is a decimated Chargers team that you can't expect to be a playoff team um, with that amount of talent missing. Um, and I think there's there's issues aside. Let's not, you know, scapegoat uh, Anthony Lynn. That's Tom Telesco's job this offseason. But um, I think that there are positives, that this team can inject already signed talent back onto the roster. If it keeps it healthy and coaches it properly, we, we can be optimistic for the future. I mean, just look at that linebacker core for next season. Kazir White is my player of the year for the, for the Chargers. I think he's been incredible. I, I love Herbert, but let's not get carried away. I think Kazir White has stood off the page every time he's played. Um, I think that Murray has unleashed himself in the last two weeks, which which happens with first-round picks. They, they get up to speed, and he's there, and he's hungry, and he sets the tone, and he comes as the Telesco hammer that we know. Um, sod Thor's hammer, it's all about Telesco's hammer. Um, so we've, we've got that, and, and then we've got some other options coming back. Tranquil, Perryman, um, Nuosu, I think, looked quite nice off the edge. So there are loads of things to be positive. We look like a reasonable team, and I disagree with some of the stuff said... Um, on Twitter, uh, if you follow any of our accounts, listeners, some of the, there's a bit of a split in opinion, um, and I know some of you, uh, I think you was on this side, believe that you know the Falcons charged their way to defeat by doing what we do, and Ryan threw the ball away, and I don't. I'm on the side that think we went up and won that game. We went and intercepted that ball. We made plays. We shut them down. We harassed the ball, um, and it wasn't a Falcons defeat. It was a Chargers win. Yeah, I think you you made some good points there, Bez. And the one thing that we love about the NFL is is the unpredictability. You can get away with maybe one, maybe two players on each side of the ball not being up to scratch in any given one week. But when you've got a situation where what we find ourselves in, look, I know you talk about Kazir White on on defense, and I completely agree with that. Who else on defense has stood out? week through week, it's very difficult to put your finger on that. You look at the other side of the ball, offence, other than Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, who has been consistently good through the first, well, through 14 weeks? Nobody, you know, we've, we've seen flashes from Mike Williams, we've seen flashes from Hunter Henry, Donald Parham, you know, we've had lots of problems on, with the offensive line, injuries, uh, it's not being consistent with the, with the front five. So it's all added to the mix. But going back to your point about can we move forward in 2021 with some new coaches, with some new additions, some fresh faces? Yeah, absolutely. I think some of these players will go away in the off-season. They'll continue to work hard. If you look at um, Derwin James, look at you know sportsmen from different uh, genres. The sort of injuries that James has had to endure, you're thinking, God, I've, I've done. But look at James on Twitter and Instagram, those videos of him training. That is not a man that's that's defeated. He looks like an absolute machine. And it wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even in a position to actually play uh, football in the next uh, two to three weeks. I don't think that's going to happen. But he just looks full of confidence. I see him slinging a uh, medicine ball around the other days. Absolute monster of a man. He'll come back next year fighting. There will be question marks over his fitness. But if he can stay healthy, Touchwood Hunter Henry's done it. You know, we all 
had concerns about him coming to 2020, but he's managed to maintain his fitness. And there is lots to be positive about. And it all starts with Justin Herbert. Look, the bloke is amazing. It's as simple as that. I don't. I was listening to a podcast on Monday morning. I'm not going to mention them. Um, I don't want to give them the airtime because I, I do generally like what they've got to say. But somebody on that podcast said that Justin Herbert might not be the uh, offensive rookie of the year. How can you not give it to that man? It's not like he's playing behind a formidable offensive line surrounded by outstanding talent you know he's he's the one that's carried us to to you know to the position we're in four and nine i think we had tyrod on the center we might not be looking at four and nine you know the the the, the dude's played out of his skin so you've got to remain positive there's no point in dripping and crying saying oh i'm going to put my raiders hat on next season or i'm going to go and start supporting the chiefs get out of here you know Charges in, you know, win or lose. We're all LA Chargers. We hate losing. Um, we hate the situation we find ourselves in. But let's 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 get up for it. You know, we're now building for next season. Let's go into these next three games with some fire in our belly. Let's get maybe one or even two wins against divisional opponents. Quite frankly, I, I think I spoke about it in episode twenty-one. Broncos have pissed me off. Especially that Drew Locke. I want to see him getting absolutely destroyed in week sixteen. Um, players don't forget, you know, they, they've got to tell you what though. He he had a good game this yes, weekend. He did. Just gone. Yes, he did. Um, but the, the, probably his career career day. Yeah, his reaction against uh, the Chargers when they defeated us thirty one thirty. I would be playing that all week long after the after the uh, week fifteen Thursday night football matchup. You know, I'll be making the players watch that dance because it's winding me up right now, even thinking about it. In fact, I might go and get padded up and play a linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's the the point is, as you said, Bez, we can sit here and feel sorry for ourselves or, or we, you know, we can get on that mantle and look forward to the draft, look forward to the off-season, look forward to pre-season if there is one and, and watch Justin Herbert letting loose in his second uh, season in, in, in the pro game. Yeah, and I want to keep the positivity going as well because there's there's a few things I think. I think we got a bit giddy with Herbert. The talent is there. But with any rookie, they have some learn things to learn. And I felt the coaching staff were a bit too gung-ho to say, come on, every play has to be a 50-yard bomb from Herbert. The game plan, this against the Falcons, you, you know the Falcons are struggling. They make mistakes. Um, so what do you do? Make them lose and put themselves in a position for the Chargers to win. Take the pressure off Herbert. He looked a bit a defeated man against the Patriots. Steichen and Lynn did a great job of creating a game plan that allowed him to keep getting screen passes, work his way into the game, connect, have you know, get ahead of his stats. You know, he was he was eight for eight at one point, and he was churning over yards. And then they said, "Brilliant, you've eased into the game. The confidence is back. Go score as a touchdown." What did he do? Scored as a touchdown. Um, you cannot put someone like that into a position to, to to lose and lose confidence. So well done, Steichen. Good game plan. Some someone Twitter disagree. I think it was good. Um, but you know, let's not get carried away. We need to still bring him along and ease him into the NFL. Keep his development going. Don't just think he's already Peyton Manning, because a sophomore slump is a possibility. It, it is. So I think I also think that that forty-five. To zip shut out, he's going to learn a lot from that. You know, it, had we been one of those um, 
teams with a with a ten or eleven game winning record this season, and things would have been easy. Is he necessarily learning? You know, that that shutout uh, week before last could forge the way he thinks as a footballer going forward. He'll have a look at the way he prepared for that New England game and go, well, this is actually in retrospect where we failed. And he might have a bit more currency next season with the coaching staff because he's got 15 games under his belt. He's a quick learner, super, super intelligent, very similar to Derwin James. And I think that's where um, some of these players stand out. You've got the athletic ability, you've got the physical presence, but you've also got the uh, the mental aptitude to learn the playbooks and not only learn the playbooks, but evolve as an individual and learn how to read the defence. And, and Peyton Manning was a great example of that, wasn't he? You know, people annoy me when they talk about Philip Rivers not, not succeeding at the Colts. One thing that Fir- Rivers has got in his locker, he understands the game inside and out. He's not mobile, but he makes up for that with his intelligence uh, and his ability to keep going. Um, and I think Herbert will, will learn a lot from this season. But you are absolutely right, Bez. He's got to avoid that sophomore slump. And I'm going to stick my neck on the line here and say he's too good to have a sophomore slump. I'm not going to. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be better than Pat Mahomes. But I believe that he can be as good as Patrick Mahomes. I think there there's some big shoes going down. What's your opinion? I think um, he can be, but he's going to need some continuity. Um, if if we're going to avoid seeing any kind of regression at the start of the year, I mean, we're bringing a new coaching staff. Hopefully that's going to obviously hamper things a little bit, but hopefully the world's in a situation where we can have preseason and get into a bit of a flow there. But you look at how many of the players that are around him might not be with the team next year. Um, and we've we've got some some positives around him. Uh, from this year. I mean, look at the last couple of games. Uh, Cole Toner has, has been quite okay <laughs> at guard, which is more than we can ask for for most of most of that O-line. Um, and he's been healthy for those two games, which is, again, more than we can say for the guys we brought in from free agency. Um, but there's there's a lot of a lot of the pieces around Herbert uh, in flux and I think there's there's more of a chance of him having a bit of a slump if there's not some continuity, but at the same time he as as you've said he's got that ability that I think could push through that anyway. Um, he's got such a high ceiling that um, we we don't know what his floor is, um, but his high ceiling will hopefully have a fairly high floor as well. I mean, the thing is, I don't think the Chargers can win if they keep if they stick with Lynn. The fans are going to be pretty hacked off, you know. This this talk oh, of gotcha. some part sections of the camp are asking for Josh McDaniels to come in. Others are like stay away from him. So you're you're always going to get a, a situation where the the fan base is, is is divided, regardless of what the front office does. You know who knows. The Spanos family might decide to fire Tom Telesco, and then it is a clean slate. We we just don't know. You know if you look at Atlanta, at least they've made the statement that they're looking for a new GM and then looking for a new head coach. Raheem Morris is 4-4 four and four at the minute. There's absolutely no guarantee whatsoever that he'll be in a job come January. Um, the Chargers have been a bit coy by saying Lynn is staying here until at least week 17. Beyond that, we just don't know. I mean, 
some people will be sat listening to this podcast saying, I hope we don't win any of our last three games because it means the end for Lynn. I still think that we could we could win one, two or three of those games and um, still file in and, and move on. And, you know, it's it's just one of those. We're just going to have to wait and see. But whatever happens, we've got to get behind the team. Because if there is another head coaching change, look at Chargers history, that person's arguably going to be there for another three or four years, regardless of, of what record he has. Yeah, that, that tends to be the case with the Chargers. I'm going to talk about the coaching a little bit now as well, because you brought it up. What on earth were they doing <laughs> at the end of that first half? <laughs> I don't know what the logic there was. There's a few things that showed me a fundamental reason why Lynn and co can't come back. We were there on... Was it third down? Third, third, third down, down yeah, third and down short, short, with mm-hmm. 20 seconds to go. So you know you either have to um, throw the ball to the end zone really quickly or get your kicking team out. They're the only two ways you get points. One's a gamble for a touchdown. One's yeah, with no timeouts. The kicking team... Yeah, clock, yeah, no clock it on third down, get the kicking team out for fourth. And there was no communication. There was no plan. The kicking team were not prepared, instructed to get ready. So... You know, your head coach is also your special teams coach whose job then is to say, guys, ready. Didn't happen. No communication. So Lynn, that's on his shoulders. And Steichen doesn't tell Herbert to to clock it and doesn't tell him to take a shot. Calls a run play, which which even if it's successful and you get stopped at the one-yard line, is the half. Yeah. So well done to those two. Steichen, mm-hmm. as much as I think he got a good game plan, and, and, and as I mentioned before, as pleased with what he did, that is... A unforgivable error. Yeah. Other, by, as we keep going, Dan. So I was to say, other teams have made decisions based on smaller errors. I mean, you look at a couple of weeks ago, the Jets fired Greg Williams. This week, the Raiders uh, ditched their DC. I think. Yeah, they did. Um, is gone. That's his name. Um, and yet, there seems to have been no reaction to to this. Like. Well, well you'd, you'd actually, maybe... actually, there has been a reaction because Coach Lynn said today that he's going to keep it as it is. So Shane Steichen will continue to call offensive plays. So there has been a reaction, but not the one that you would expect. See what you're saying. True, true. And, you know, it's 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 an interesting point because I've just written Thursday's preview on charged.bolts.com. I said, if this game goes to a shootout, which it, it, it's possible it could because the, the teams know each other. You know, there's a lot of injuries on both sides of the... Uh, ball it could come down to coaching could be the deciding factor and if you go head to head Gruden versus Lynn you would argue that Gruden is a more is the, is the competent coach he's better at managing the clock he's better at making key decisions well he's proven for a start because he's won a Super Bowl as a head coach but it is it's that rabbit in a headlight moment again isn't it just if if that happened another 10 times there's no way on earth Lynn or Steichen would would call that run play, and Lynn actually did turn to Steichen, didn't he, and, and oh, do yeah. that throwing motion? You saw that on camera, but that's that's on Steichen. Um, you're going to say he's he's got to learn from that. Do we not have a quality controller that looks at all these facets and goes, well, if we're in a position with no timeouts left at this yardage, this yardage, you know, with with this X number of downs left, this is what we do. Clearly. That uh, that part of the playbook got left in the locker room because they didn't adhere yeah. to it. I think I'm right in saying that the Chargers have been 
compared to some other teams, a bit slow on the uptake in analytics. And this is something where if they had a, well, a decent analytics team working with their offense and just looking at the different plays and the different situations that we might not find ourselves in where it even enters, might not find ourselves in a situation where it even enters Steichen's brain to go, yeah, let's run it. Yeah, that that's disappointing if that is true, because it, in today's modern sports, there is no excuse for not having analytics. I mean, I always refer to Liverpool. I, I think they've got a throwing analyst now and a throwing coach. Because a lot of soccer teams, including the English FA, they've been over to the NFL to see what they can learn. So the NFL is supposed to be setting the trends with all this, with these thousands of data points from from a game. So if the Chargers aren't using analytics, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, here we go. I've just found the update that we hired our first analytics member this year. Brilliant. Yeah. But better late wow, than never. Chargers on the cutting edge of sport. <laughs> Not. Um, I mean, there is one big thing, though, guys, that we can take from this game. Show me the money! Money badge is back. Were you thrilled, <laughs> confident? <laughs> Look, he's Dan. <laughs> you wanted to be our kicker. Do you still think that you're better than him? Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I, I was relieved both for both of our nicknamed departments, the Money Badger and the Jack Boys, that both had good or at least okay games in terms of Badgley. There was there was nothing spectacular about what he did, um, but he did his job. And that's that's all you can ask for when things have been going as badly as they have. That first field goal sort of did something and a hop, skip and a jump, didn't it? Through the uprights. It's like, what's going on there? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, we're sat here celebrating the fact that our kicker made two field goals and won us the game. It's like, Yikes! Go team! Yeah, yeah. You know it's, but it, was it was it the Vi- who was it on the Vikings missed four or five field goals on on Sunday and you know kickers traditionally get paid peanuts compared to the rest of the players but when it comes down to it I don't know what the stats are for field goal misses that actually cost games but could you imagine imagine if that that field those field goal misses are for uh, the division or a, a playoff place or e- even worse you know the, the conference championship and this is why again we love the sport because it does come down to the margins and it, with with the charges it's every week I mean I think Basley's field goal was converted as as, as time expired I mean you, you can't get any much of a closer win than that can you but I'd be very surprised if Basley's back in the new year well, as long as there's a competition but, and we're looking at options. But there is, but Fair we've enough. said this before. If if Badgley's going to get replaced, you need someone that's going to come in and make a difference beyond 50 yards. There's no point in getting like for like because it, at the minute, it's just a confidence thing with, with Badgley. Um, and then you, you, you well, get the, more... The problem you've got, you've, John, the problem you've got with this, as you just said, is that you said you've got to bring someone in that's over 50, can kick over 50 yards. Who? Well, because the problem you've got is you, we keep cutting people. We cut Lambo and he went and was great at... The Jags. We cut Koo and he was great at the Falcons. Who wants to say we don't cut Badgley? He becomes well, the greatest well, kicker of all time, it, and, and we end up with some turd. We're, we're going to talk about um, a wide receiver shortly. That's that could be in that same conversation. That's that is just purely down to coaches making that decision. You know, sometimes it's it's the same at work, isn't it? We all go to work and you lose. You might lose confidence in a different department. You you move on and then you flourish. I'm sure we've all been there and. 
sometimes players they just need to get out of a building for whatever reason, whether they've they've had a running with the coaches, teammates, their families not settled in a certain area, you know, all these things play on the mind, and that's why you need a hell of a lot of luck to be successful in in this league because everything's got to fit, everything has to fit. You know, the, the, even the players, their conduct outside the building. We've now got COVID to deal with. It's just, there's just a lot to go wrong. Uh, and you need a lot to go right. You do. So what is going to go right against the Raiders? Because we have to beat them. Don't care about the draft. It's the scummy Raiders. I want to win 100-0 um, because I cannot stand this organisation. Overrated, horrendous organization. If you live in the UK, you'll get this. You will walk around and you will see people that have no clue what the NFL is wearing Raiders. Like my next door neighbour. Uh, it's a. <laughs> there you go, and it does our tree in. Um, oh, I keep seeing it. I, I saw it the other day at the school gates. A, a rival dad picking up his child wearing a Raiders cap, and I went, "Ah, oh, mate, you're into the NFL? Can't believe you're a Raiders fan. I'm an I'm a Chargers fan. Huh? What? What are you talking about? No, no clue. clue. Uh, and I'm fed up. Happens so uh, we, it does, and we need to destroy it's a bit them. Like Man United um, fans in the states, the same sort of thing. Don't do it. It's worse than microwave tea. It's true. <laughs> so come on, you know, are we going to win, John? Are we going to smash the, the pants the, off the Raiders? The, the Raiders are an up and down team, number nine seed in the AFC, and I think they've proven that the season that they they compete. They've beaten the Saints, they beat the uh, Chiefs, but then consistency eludes them. They stink on defence and they've also got problems on um, special teams. It sounds a bit like the Chargers, doesn't it? So I think if if uh, Marinelli can come in and shore up the run game, that's going to help them. Austin Eckler and Balage need to exploit the uh, Raiders' rush defence. They gave up 200 yards against the Jets. Uh, they gave up over 200 yards against the Colts. Jonathan Taylor ran for a dollar fifty against them. I mean, I think we've got five active running backs at the minute, and if if that's one key to success, we need to run it down their throat. That's complementing uh, Herbert's passing game. The Raiders can't register a sack for love and the money at the minute either. So that's another area where we need to exploit. Let's let's hope that the offensive line, the front five, can stay firm, prevent that uh, Raiders pass rush unit. You know, gaining pressure on Herbert. There's a lot riding on Herbert this weekend. Uh, oh, sorry, this Thursday. You know, he needs to keep that momentum going. You know for a fact he's sat here now thinking about Baker Mayfield's 27 uh, touchdown of, of his rookie season. It's a record. Herbert's on 25. If he gets three touchdowns, he breaks that rookie pa- uh, passing touchdown record on, on, on prime time. You know, there's a lot going for us. We certainly can win this. Raiders are two and four at home, uh, but it comes down to the coaching. If it comes to the crunch, I, I just fancy John Gruden to make that that call that's just basically going to top trump anything that, that we do. But we've just got to oath that all our players are fit. Um, there's question marks over Eckler and Allen. Uh, we, we need them playing at their best. You know, we need we need something from Chris Harris with the defensive backs we need Murray to stand up and and improve on the last two uh outings but yeah the the Raiders are a slight favorite for this one but 
I fancy our chances. I, I, I kind of fancy the chances of the Raiders a bit more than us. Uh, say out loud, but I, I think we've got to be aware of something that we've done the past couple of weeks that I don't think any team had done before, and that's allow passing touchdowns to non-quarterbacks. And even this week just gone, they had Zay Jones throw a pass for 29 yards. So we need to just be more aware of trick plays. They're going to use Henry Ruggs any way they want, especially on special teams. Are we going to be able to stop him speed wise? Um, I, I, I just I'm not confident. I think we've got we've got the possibility, as you've said, it's going to be a close game. Both teams know each other quite well. Um, and if we play to our best, I think we'll win. But I just I don't have the faith um, in our coaching staff to get the best out of our players. Um, and as you said, I kind of believe John Gruden will kind of get. He'll I can see them offensively doing what they want, um, throwing it to Darren Waller, Nelson Aguilar. He's having a just, brilliant season, Waller. He destroyed yeah. my fantasy football team week four last forty five <laughs> points. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but yeah. you know the, the Raiders are very similar to the Chargers. The fact that they've got a good receiver core, uh, and I think that's where we need to focus our attention. Josh Jacobs hasn't been as productive as what they would have thought on the ground, but that doesn't mean anything. The, the, the Chargers have been giving up chunk plays on the ground all season, and we've just got to get nasty. As soon as he breaks out of that line, we have to nail him, flatten him to the floor. You know, and that it's as simple as that. But. It's, it's going to be touch and go this one, but I'm feeling confident. I'm right there with you guys. I actually think we're going to beat them. Look at that. Doom and gloom Bermudez <laughs> is, is predicting a win. You've got a bang I, on the head. I just think, I, I just think that, that, like I say, winning is infectious. And we've seen it many times into divisional, especially against the Raiders, that the team that's eliminated goes and goes and harms the... Uh, the, the the rival that's that's in a better position and I, I see it happening I think that we will control the game it will be our best performance of the season you can take it to the bank um, you can book that prediction we're going to win comfortably <laughs> I'm locking it up boys this is the one I'm guaranteeing guaranteeing the win so yeah you you can count me on that one no um, it's going to be a good game I'm looking forward to Thursday night I'm looking forward to having a Sunday that's stress free. Yeah, um, which is always pleasant. Bye weeks and <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be stressful yeah, yeah, because will... we've got the Chargers game this Thursday and then the Panthers play on Saturday. So our house is just going to be a very Crazy. confusing <laughs> Sunday night. I mean, it, it would be <laughs> great to go into that dull stadium for our first visit and come away with a victory. You know, maybe we'll f- pull a few tiles off the wall on the way out. <laughs> Yes, mate. I couldn't agree more. Um, so, guys, we have um, a special feature coming up today for our uh, our listeners. We're going to get them a little taste of the off-season content to look forward to so that they can have some hope, some optimism for next season. Uh, we're going to look at the offensive side of the ball. And I'm going to run through a little bit of an idea of if you were Telesco, what would you do? What's best for our franchise? Please don't say fire Anthony Lynn um, but uh, <laughs> I want to figure out I want to give our listeners some free agents that they should look out for on other teams uh, that you think we should go after some draft picks for the first round on the offensive side of the ball that you think would fit the charges and you are watching yourself and I'm going to run through now um, a few names and a few situations contractually that the charges have decisions to make 
what would you guys do? So um, if we're uh, if we're all ready to go, I'm going to start off with the the free agents, uh, the top names, and see if you guys think we should keep them or we should let them go elsewhere. Uh, first off is the big name, the big number, uh, 16 million a year, um, and that's Melvin Ingram. Disappointing year, negotiated himself guaranteed salary, played, was ineffective, then went off injured. Um, you know, Dan, do you see Melvin coming back, or, or have we waved goodbye to him already? I believe we've waved goodbye to him already. Uh, I think for that kind of money, I don't think we'd manage to get him. I don't think we'd get him back for what we want. It would be, um, yeah, too much of a difference between what we want and he wants. I kind of with uh, Dan. If he's if he's going to command big money, and I'm, I'm talking over six million dollars, um, because let's be honest, sixty million dollars this season, he hasn't stayed fit. He's got to decide whether his future is with music or the NFL. There's still a market for him in the NFL for a, a couple of years, in my opinion, but I think he's got to be realistic with what his market value is. But I want to throw a bit of a spanner in the works. If Melvin decides, and it's plausible, he could decide that, you know what, I've got a future in uh, in music or I'm just going to hang up my cleats. With the type of player that he is or the type of person that he is, would you invite him back as a coach? No. No. <laughs> I, I see where you're going. Uh, for me, I think he's the kind of player you part ways with. I think that he had... He was incredible in previous seasons. And when fit, he didn't have the impact this year that I thought he would do. Um, and I think he's quite an easy cut and you just wave him off into the sunset. Probably goes and gets a contract somewhere else. Gets gets 10 um, sacks. But... <laughs> yeah, may, maybe. But he's above 30. He's on the decline. He's been injured and he's paid a lot of money. And he's also going to be interested in music, um, which is going to creep in more and more as he considers retirement. So for me... Thank you. I respect you. I I, I was a big Ingram oh, yeah. fan throughout his time with us. Um, I thank you for your service. On you go. One note um, to make on that is um, you mentioned his music career. Is that going to come into it? Will he be more willing to stay in Los Angeles to further ooh, his interesting. career? Is he going to be a Ram, is he? I just meant in general. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but who <laughs> knows? It's a great point. You know, really he, point. He, he might, yeah, he might say, do you know what? I'll that, have a yeah. couple of couple of million dollars i'll hang around for another year see how it goes you, you know we just don't know do we it's, it's speculation no it's true um I, ha I do have a name that i am going to demand we resign uh, and that is hunter henry he he signed on a one-year deal he's still at 27 he's been healthy he's he's looked reliable not quite you know 100 percent of, of what he has been in in the past but for me the big problem you have at tight end is there is a massive vacuous gap of talent available if hunter henry goes then you know Don, as much as i like donald parham he's not a starting tight end in this league you know who, who are you going to go and get you know there's very limited talent hitting the market johnny smith of the titans gronkowski no thank you gerald everett jared cook Ever no one is better than hunter henry in talent or age and i don't think you can cut the head off your tight end core and replace it with someone for the draft. I think that you have to replace Henry. He's a priority re-signing. I think you'll get money in a barren wasteland of a market. Um, you know, John, are you with me? Are you 100%. signing Henry? Or it's a no-brainer. You cannot cut onto Henry because 
we're not going to dip into the uh, draft in the first three rounds to get a, a tight end because we've got other priorities. The offensive line, pass rush. Um, and who's behind under Henry? Parham Jr. still uh, work in progress. Um, you know, Virgil Green, wrong side of 30. So under Henry, he's proven so far he can stay fit. My honest opinion is he's probably been leaving a little bit on the field just because he wants to get through the games and get the reps, and that's understandable. Some of those injuries of, of, of previous seasons have potentially uh, shook him up, but he, he's he got talent. He's still only 26, so he can still evolve as a, as a player. Absolute no-brainer. Yeah, he is one of the highest, if not the highest paid uh, tight end in terms of base salary, but, you know... We've got no option here. It's We're backed into a corner. It all depends what Henry demands from the front office going forward. That could be the stumbling block. Dan, how much are you going to pay him? Uh, almost whatever he wants. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think there's really anyone else out there. Um, you're right. We couldn't let Henry go and replace in the draft. Yes, there are some top talents there that we've mentioned before in the draft, but... In terms of free agency, if you were to let Henry go, you'd want to bring in a free agent as well as someone in the draft, someone who's got a bit of experience. And the only other person really there is Jono Smith. Um, the only other person who's played well would be Jono Smith. So, hey, if we get um, the Titans OC as a new coach before the free agency deadline, then I could see a situation where we let Henry go and try and sign Johnny Smith, but I think it's much more likely that we keep Henry, and I I want us to keep Henry. Good, we're all on the same the same page there with uh, re-signing Hunter, which is fantastic because otherwise I, I'll be really worried. I'm just worried about what he will cost, but um, I think he's worth it because there is a problem in the uh, tight end department uh, across the league. Um, interesting, you know, I, I, I big name. I'm gonna. I'm going to touch the flavour of free agency. So I'm going to touch on the um, fact that we've got Denzel Perryman coming up, who uh, doesn't earn a great deal. He signed a one-year £5.5 million deal. He's been injured, but when he has played, he has had a big impact. Do you think he has a place in our linebacker core, Dan? Um, Or would you say, nah, you know, too many games missed? Uh, I think think he's got a place. Um, uh, I'd like to see him back, but... I wouldn't want to overpay for him because I don't, I don't think his production is, is necessarily there week in, week out. Um, he had a fairly slow start to the season was starting to come into it the last couple of weeks until he got banged up. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think if, if we can get him at a team friendly deal, then go for it. Yeah. Similar situation. I think it's, we're not flush at linebacker, are we? We've obviously Kenneth Murray is going to be into his second season uh, next year. We, we've had injuries with him, but when he has played, he's uh, he's made some good stops. He's he's been productive. Um, and I think if we can get him, save a couple of million quid on his current, a uh, couple of million dollars on his current deal, maybe we we take the plunge and re-sign him. Um, I think he'll be another one that will go away in the off-season and recuperate and uh, work on those areas of his body that needs sort of attention. So, yeah, he's, he's, he wouldn't be the worst signing if, if we brought him back into the building. Well, if you look at our linebacker core, I touched on it earlier, but, you know, Kazir White, 
and Murray uh, and Tranquil are very likely going to be our starting three. And I really like them. I really like that three. Um, you need to take the pressure off Perryman. He's not going to be in every down back. He's, you know, 28, injury history. What you want is to have him on the roster as an impact player. And if he doesn't, if his injury keeps him cheap, he's he's a great addition. I like what he brings when he's fully fit. So bring him back on a team-friendly deal that Telesco is good at. Same for me applies with, um, you know, Michael Davis. He's been on the on the field for over 94%, almost 95% of the Chargers' defensive snaps. He's been healthy. He's 26. I've slagged him off. I take it back because as much as he is a vulnerability and he is not a good starting number one cornerback, he is a pretty all right cornerback too. Um, he comes up with occasional turnovers. He gets burnt as well. Um, but that is what a cornerback two in this league does. Um, and I think... Given the injury reliability, he has not had time off the field. And the problem that we are going to have to fix our secondary, I think you bring back Michael Davis. Um, I think he's taken a little bit of a step up. Some progress has been seen. I think you'll get more than his 3 million, 3.2 million. Um, you know, guys, yes, no, Michael Davis, do you, do you want a complete overhaul of the secondary? I think, or would you say no? I think you have to have a bit of continuity. And like you said, Bez. Michael Davis, he's not going to break the bank for us. He hasn't been as productive as, as some of the other players. However, he does lead our team in interceptions, three of nine. So he's he's got he's registered third of our picks, and it's not like this is a um, you know a top defensive back in the league that's had a poor season, and now we've got to make a choice whether we're going to splash out north of twelve million dollars on him. Bring him back, bring him back. Bit of continuity, you know. Maybe only put him on a one-year deal and see where he goes from there. Yeah, I'm with you there. Was um, I? I think he's he's shown that he's good enough to be a on a roster, um, and he makes a difference occasionally. Why not have that be for us? Yeah, and especially seeing as we're seeing Casey Hayward take a nosedive uh, in in talent. We, you know, we need some continuation you can't can't revamp every bit of the team you have to keep some people that you are familiar and with. if we know your roster if we were to let davis go who's to say that someone wouldn't do to davis what we did to hayward yeah that's that's a great point i, I couldn't agree more um i'm going to lamp two players you know, like what i did here i'm going to lamp two players together um they both uh played that's shocking Buzz. a very <laughs> they both played Every snap they've been available for, 100% of the snaps on the O-line. That's Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney drafted together, playing together. Feeney's our current centre, Lamp at left guard. Both not on big deals. Um, Lamp slightly more, that a hell of a lot more because he's got uh, four billion guaranteed. But, uh, you know, two pieces of our O-line that have shown up. Lamp has been everyone's favourite rebound character for years. And everyone's disappointment. I'm disappointed with him this year. And Feeney, I think, has improved. And filling in at centre, but could fill, play at guard. Both 27 years of age. O-line's been a problem. Are they part of our future, Dan? I think so. Um, I, I'm not hugely comfortable with it. But I, I think we're going to lose Pouncey. Um, can we give up Feeney as well? We'd then be left with just 
Scott Questenbury at centre, who's not played this year at centre, who's not taking those snaps with Herbert, whereas Feeney is and has that relationship with Herbert, um, which goes back to me saying we want to keep some continuity there. Um, and Lamp, I think he started well. Um, he's kind of petered out a little bit, but I think if it's team-friendly, yes, um, Otherwise, we're going to have to put a lot of draft capital into the O-line. We already need to put some. Um, but if we were to let either of them go, we're just showing our hand entirely for the draft. Dan, let's just answer the question. This is going to be the, arguably the, 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 one of the biggest decisions the front office going to have to make because Pouncey's definitely gone at 32. He's not played. He's on a massive deal, $9 million base. Um, we have to invest in the offensive line at all costs. Even if we were lucky enough to get Sewell in the draft, you know, can we afford to give up uh, Feeney and Lamp? I don't think that we can. And and again, we, we're going to have a lot of uh, cap space in 2021. So would it, would it hurt to bring them both back in? You know, build up the 90-odd man roster? Uh, you know, if they don't stack up in the off season, you know, spring training, all that, get rid of them. But if you cut them now, it's pretty obvious where we're going in the draft. Um, we are a bit thin. Trey Turner hasn't been great, has he? You know, we've had injuries with him. Uh, Belaga as well. I do think Belaga will will go away, recoup, and come back stronger in in twenty twenty one. You'd like yeah, to think so, yeah. yeah. I, you know, listening to him talk. He comes across to me as the sort of guy that you want in that locker room. I think he's one of those uh, players that people will listen to. I think he's one of those guys that will put his arm around Justin Herbert and say, look, mate, we're here for you. He's a genuine guy, um, but we have got all sorts of, of issues. James Campen's done quite a good job considering what he's had to work with. So I would, if I was the front office, I would, I would be making these decisions in collusion with James Campen. You know, you shouldn't, as a, in my point of view, as a general manager, you shouldn't be making decisions. In, 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 you know, in in solo, go to your coaches, the ones that know that position, you know, inside out, and get their take on things. But I would see both of those players coming back. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to get rid of Lamp. He's really disappointed me in recent weeks. He has had misalignments. Seems to have taken a downward step, has an injury history uh, and hasn't been the player I want. So I'm going to be a bit controversial, get rid of Lamp. Uh, definitely think you've got to keep Feeney for the... He's he's played well at times, awful at times. He's a bit up and down. But um, you keep him for the uh, the continuity, the relationship with, with Herbert. Yeah, Dan, agree. Um, maybe a centre, maybe move him to left guard and replace Lamp there. But uh, he, he, he adds some continuity. So, last guy on the free agency summary, which is, you are only allowed to say one word. No more than one word, yes or no. Uh, I'm going to say a name, and I want you guys to say yes or no. Do you re-sign him for next season? Uh, Dan, first. Jaleel Adai. Yes. (gasps) Was. No. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I'm going to say yes. And... uh, you know, let's leave it at that because our listeners might just have turned off. We've just Jaleel lost hundred percent of our listener base. As long as we can change his number back to thirty-seven. 
it's so confusing. And and him and Campbell are so very similar players. Um, it's scary. So um, now I'm going to turn our attention to the players that I'm going to touch on some names on players that are contracted with the Chargers but could be vulnerable to the cut. I mean, we aren't getting rid of Bosa's or Hayward for that matter because the dead money is too high. Um, you know, Hayward potentially nine million save, nine ten million saving. You keep you hit two million. There is a some people that think fair enough, but I think the Chargers will will stay with with KC. Maybe even restructure his deal. Um, some players too much is on the line. You know, if you get rid of of someone like Brian Belaga and say we think he's too much of an injury risk, too much dead money. It's, it doesn't make any sense. But there are some names. That could be facing the chop or under pressure to restructure. Um, I'm going to start off by throwing a name out there, which is Mike Williams. A bit of an unusual name. You think, well, you know, Mike? No, we drafted him in the first round. He's a talent on the long ball, going up and getting it. But he, there is no dead money if we cut him. And we would save almost $16 million. Is he worth $16 million is the question. Um, and who do you potentially replace him with? Something we'll talk about Sec in in a second when we come on to free agents. So Mike Williams was 15, 16 million quid dollars. You cutting that guy? Controversial if you do. No, keep him. I think he's a very, very good wide receiver. He's got a great uh, catch radius. He's, he's he's generally solid. He doesn't drop too many. Um, take away Mike Williams from. The receiver core, talking wide outs now, there is only Keenan Allen over 500 yards if you take Mike Williams out of that equation. You know, Williams has, has contributed to four touchdown receptions. And even with Philip Rivers, he was the guy that came in and made some phenomenal plays. He's averaging almost 16 yards uh, per reception at the minute. I mean, you, you cannot. Take that away from from the uh, the equation when you've got to look at the who who's going to come in. Yeah, Keenan Allen's a man that does it all. He can block. He's he's a, an elite route runner. He's the go to target man. But you can't just permanently target Allen all day. You need a release. You need something else to go to. And I think Mike Williams is that man. He's 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 made some ridiculous um, catches. What was the game when he was in triple coverage? He had no right to make that catch. I can't remember who it was now. And he just plucked the ball out of the air. That is natural talent, gents. And that's what you're paying those extra bucks for. The problem is, if you do cut him, you have to replace him with somebody like for like. And where are you going to get that individual? Because those individuals that are out there, they're wanting to buy their teams. You know, it's 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 as simple as that. It's I think it'd be a mistake to let him go because all season, the strength of our team has been the passing game. And I don't see why you would uh, dilute that by getting rid of Mike Dub. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like Mike Williams. Um, and it's, he's just, I, I think he's one of the best, if not the best contested catch player in the league. And I'd hate to lose that. Um, not every ball is going to be perfect. Why not keep a guy who is known for being able to reach and pull those catches in and then fight for them when he goes to the ground? I, I like Mike Williams. I think he brings more to the team um, than we could get 
out elsewhere in free agency. I mean, you mentioned players who are going to be wanted to be kept by their teams. You look at similar players. All, all that's really there is what Alan Robinson. Um, I've always been a massive fan of Alan Robinson, even when he was at me Penn too. State. But he won't he won't be leaving Chicago. No, he won't. And you you've got to ask the question why he moved franchise at relatively such a young age. But you know, Alan on his day is formidable. But I think Williams is just as good. So I don't see why he would get rid of Williams to try and exactly take, take Alan from Chicago. They're going to want some draft capital. Yeah, I'm with you on Mike. I'm a big I'm hyped about Mike more than the average Chargers fan. I think he is elite. I argued in the offseason that he is a top 10 wide receiver on talent alone and said that, you know, you can't always judge production, which is on the coaches and the schemes, but his ability to go up and get the ball is better than anyone else in the league. He is incredible at it. Um, and I think you pay for that. You pay for the ability to, because you have to remember, it's also about matching it to Herbert's talents and Herbert. If, ha- if he can get a Hail Mary pass and Mike Williams can go up and get it, that is really Don't, don't forget really as well, you know, Mike Williams was a first-round pick for a reason. And the other thing that I like about him, he's still on the right side of 30. And I think he's still got something to offer. In my opinion, the reason why Mike Williams doesn't get as much production, he's on the same team as Keenan Allen. And you, you bring anybody in, you know, there are very few players in the league that would come into the charges and and get the sort of receptions that Allen gets. You know, Mike Williams, I don't know, um, he could go somewhere like the Jets and be, the, be uh, you know, wide out one if they've got a quarterback that can feed on the ball. But unfortunately, he's always going to play settle, uh, second fiddle to Keenan Allen while yeah. he's healthy. And then you throw in Hunter I, Henry and Austin Eckler yeah, exactly. as well. I mean, uh, being Herbert, Throughout the season, he's been airing the ball to up to nine targets in a game. That just shows the strength and depth that we've got in that in that part of uh, of our offense. Uh, and Mike Williams might think, "Bloody hell, I, I could be doing better elsewhere." But I think we bring him back in. Yeah, and of course, is the point that talented teams have talented rosters of. of- wide receivers and offensive options uh, and he's part of that so yeah I agree you know it's an attractive bit of money to save but not worth it we think um interestingly enough we could cut Trey Turner Trey Turner would save us 11.5 million that is an attractive bit of money if we think he is not going to be fit healthy and effective and I think he's been poor in pass protection but better in run protection when he's on the field which is not a lot so, do you save eleven point five million and have a gap to fill at the right guard, or do you bet eleven point five million that he will rebound? Dan, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because um, Trey Turner has been one of the best guards in recent years. Well, with his time with Carolina, anyway. Um, clearly not for us. But how much of that is injury related? How much of that injury is repeatable? Um, there's, it's going to need a serious look at. Um, I mentioned earlier, Cole Toner has played the last couple of games and played fairly well. Um, I don't think he's, surprisingly, I don't think he's given up any penalties, which is saying something for our, our team. Um, but he, he's, he's not someone with the same kind of ceiling as Trey Turner. Um, if we can rework his contract, given the injuries, then go for it. But I, th- I think it's, 
it's almost too much money to to bet on him being healthy. Uh, he's not getting any younger, um, and we don't know if these injuries are going to have a lasting effect on him. But I like the guy, and I want to see him succeed. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Um, Was I think you keep him? Do you? It's, it's difficult. I mean, if you look at the <laughs> if you look at the. the the tackles that are coming up, the offensive linemen that are coming in the market at free agency, there's some big names there. Trent Williams, you know, Russell Okung obviously used to play for us. And it's like, are you ever going to be able to dip into market and get those players back? And if you're not, you're going to have to edge your bets and hope that Trey comes back fit. I think the conversations had in the in the the building with the medical coaches, what are these injuries? What's causing it? And are you likely to recover uh, in the off season, and if the answers don't know or not sure, well then you've got to be looking at cutting him because eleven million dollars is a is a chunk of money that you've got to. It's a bet, isn't it? You, you're laying that wager on that player, and and arguably you could go and use that somewhere else and entice someone in. Uh, maybe give up uh, a third or a fourth round draft pick in 2022 to go and get a a tackle that's sent, entering free agency in the off season. So it's it's a difficult one to answer in, in a two or three minute segment on this podcast. It, it needs some deep analysis and it all starts with the medical staff and the individual. Just want to throw out a guard that is going to be available in free agency, potentially just to get your thoughts on um, Danny Lee, Jesus Fluker. What? Currently, what is that name? DJ Fluker, currently with the Ravens, former Chargers draft pick, has moved to guard and played a lot more at guard since he left us. And is is okay. There's so many former Chargers no. guards available <laughs> in free agency this year. You can throw in Michael Schofield at Carolina as well. I mean, I just... The, the offensive line's a, a strange one for me because... You know, you get you get guards playing centre, you get tackles moving to guard, and vice versa. And I'm of the opinion that if you can play on that offensive line, all right, the blind side is slightly different, uh, different technique there. But I I think good players are interchangeable. Um, but you know, the other thing is, do you go to the established players like Belaga and say, do you, can you recommend anybody? Why not? As a leader, you should be going to your subordinates. And potentially asking for their advice. Now, I'm not saying that the 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 NFL draft should be by committee, but use the knowledge out there. There's people see different things in the locker room. They see different things on the field. Go and speak to the players and find out. You know, um, if there's anybody out there that could do a good job. Um, start looking at the look at the quarterbacks that have have had good protection and, and see if there's anybody there that you could do a deal with. It, it's it's a really difficult one, this, because we've got to get it right. I just feel like this is the most contentious part of our team. Not just because it's Justin Herbert behind that line, but in general, if if your quarterback's not able to um, rely on that protection, how's it, how the hell is he going to control the game and make plays? How are you going to win football games? We don't want to be in a situation where Deshaun Watson... Has had four hundred thousand sacks in four seasons. It's ridiculous. What what the Texans are doing to him is the blueprint of of how to or not how to go about business. Um, we saw it with the Colts, didn't we? With Andrew Luck, they they spent a lot of their draft capital and and, and cap space on the offensive line. 
And Philip Rivers seems to be benefiting from that, doesn't he? So we've really got to get this one right. And oh, it's just, it gives you a headache just thinking about it. I'm glad I'm not Tom Telesco. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really does. I'm going to read off some names now to to see who you guys would be interested in. Now, we don't know who's going to make it past franchise tagging, re-signing with their team to hit free agency, but I want to give a feel for the people that we'll just keep an eye on. Um, so if I tell you the best defensive players that potentially could hit the open market, um, don't forget we've all decided Ingram uh, is to be replaced. So uh, Von Miller, uh, Leonard Williams. Interestingly, Matt Judon of the Baltimore Ravens, who's played less than 50% of their snaps after being franchise tagged. Bud Dupree of the Steelers. You've got Shaquille Barrett of the Bucks. Jadavian Clowney, Justin Houston, Yannick Ngakoue. Huge, huge names, all headed towards free agency like a steam train. Which of those well, are I'll you? I'll tell you right watching? now. For me, me, for me it's Matt right now, If we sign Jadavian Clowney, I'm going to wear a Raiders cap on week one of the new season. Not happening. He's just no. I'm sorry. He's 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 not the player that everyone thought it was going to be. He, he's not productive. Just look at his his um, his stats. Uh, and I think this has been brought up before on uh, at the start of the season on one of the big uh, media podcasts. Just a no for me. Um, I just think if Tom Telesco is in charge, he's going to go for the charismatic individual isn't he he's got to go for the personality fit so it's I'm not sitting on the fence here but I don't know any of those players enough to say that that individual would be a good fit for the Chargers you know that's why I said about Melvin Ingram coming back as a coach if he decides to hang up his cleats because you know his Chargers through and through he understands the franchise and even when he had that hold in it was still there wasn't he coaching the the younger younger players, trying to get the best out of them. So it's there's some big names in there. Von Miller not going to happen, just like doing James at the Chargers. Von Miller's going nowhere. The, the Broncos are going to keep him all day long. I'll be very very surprised if he leaves Denver, because they've really struggled without him. I mean, he's arguably one of the best pass rush uh, in the league, isn't he? Um, is JJ Watt coming up to free agency? No, I don't believe so. He may be may well be traded, yeah, but I don't think he's up. I, I could see him go to uh, Pittsburgh. Yes, yeah, mate. Some somewhere that he might be able to see a team over yeah. the line is the kind of place players I can see it happening. Any of those names for you, Dan? Just to add in, JJ Watt has one more year, um, so maybe this time next year you'll be talking about getting the Watt trio in Pittsburgh. But it's still a year out. Imagine? Um, I don't think any of those names are really calling me. Um, I had a look a bit further down the list as well to players like um, I don't know, Leonard Floyd and Dominican Sue, Solomon Thomas, but there's there's nothing that really stands out as being, yes, this is the kind of person we're going to target. Uh, you talk about like wanting to keep a relatively young roster as well for the most part, and the youngest guy out there is Yannick Ngokwe, who's had a bit of a journey in the past season and it's like well I, I I just don't know that I'd want to sink money into players that have questions around them and I don't think there's anyone there that is as was mentioned just a, a personality fit that we know enough about anyway I mean Patrick Peterson maybe but he's aging and he's expensive 
No, it's, tr- it's true. I mean, for me, Matt Judon, big interesting one. Real big talent for the Ravens. Disappointing this season with fifty less than 50% of the snaps. Um, the kind of player that you might be able to get on a reasonable deal to replace Ingram. Um, I think a lot of these names will be signed up. Uh, but I think the off-season is going to be an interesting one. And I keep an eye on all of them. In particular, for me, keep an eye on what... Um, the likes of Jadavian Clowney do because I'm going to disagree with no, you Ross, and say no, he's going to be no, your charger. No. He's going to be your charger. He'll it bring nothing to our locker room other than a massive wage bill. Um, and that's that's the. Oh, no, not even going <laughs> and there. what's he going to be like coming off knee surgery as well? Uh, exactly. I mean, there's one player that I've always liked, but I think he's the wrong age of wrong side of thirty now. That's Justin Houston. I mean, he had a phenomenal career with Kansas. Uh, 20-odd sacks in, was it 2014 or 2015 something? And he's still doing the goods. He's still producing the goods for uh, Indy. So, but at, at 31, <laughs> 32 next season, I think it's, you know... But you, you can rent a player for a year. It's, it's not like you have to get your no, immediate no. forever. You know, we've got Nuosu, Tillery up and down, and... and, and, and um, you know, you've got you've got players that can come in. I don't. I think you rent a star for a year if you if you think you're in that place. I like that idea, um, guys. On the offensive side, I'm going to go offensive line. Um, some names that we could look at to fix the big issues. Brandon Scherf at Washington. Uh, Joe Thune, uh, Thune, I never know how to say his name. Uh, the Patriots. We've got um, Trent Williams, the eternal you know guy. 49ers. Alex Mack at the Falcons. Um, do you fancy someone like? Corey Lindsley at the, at the Green Bay Packers. Is there anyone that stands out to you there? Trent, Trent or do Williams, you not think... but are we going to spend... You like him. You've mentioned him yeah, before, I haven't have, you? I, 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 well, left tackle for a start, but he's going to cost an awful lot of money. He's, he's, I think he's on contract somewhere north of uh, £65 million with the 49ers. So it's whether or not uh, you know we're going to look to spend that sort of money on the offensive line when actually you could probably go and get uh, two four-star players for a similar um, for similar cap space, but uh, I, I imagine that the forty the 49ers will want to want to sign him up. Um, I don't think there's any big names there that are calling me with um, the top of the top of the listings, but I don't know. There's there's some players I'd be interested in, like maybe trying to get someone like Mike Ayapati for a year, um, Coleccio Semeli. Maybe just a couple of the north of 30 guards, um, but there's no tackles there that scream affordable and worth it to me. No, I'm the same. I, the one thing I would, would say is, we, you know, there's some very big talent from wide receiver coming up. And if we mention, as we said before, we're keeping Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. We've got Hunter Henry coming back. We want to litter our offense with talent for Herbert do you dip your toe into the free agent market and bring someone in because you have a huge number of wide receivers coming up for renewal? Alan Robinson, Chris Godwin, Juju from the Steelers, Kenny Golladay, AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins. I could go on. Will Fuller, Marvin Jones. There is going to be talent. It's a saturated free agent market. You'll always have new talent in the draft, but I think you can go out and get a fantastic third wide receiver so you aren't having to play some of the rookies and and odd names we've had starting and I love the idea of going to do that you know the, the Kansas City Chiefs went and got Watkins when they didn't need him and he he's been useful for them 
Go out and do the same. Think, Go out and get a name. I think a lot of the players that you mentioned there, though, Bez, are, are wide-out ones, aren't they? Um, and they're not going to take the place of uh, Keenan Allen. And are they going to come in at, at wide receiver too and, and take Mike Williams' place? I'd argue not. So it's it's trying to find that uh, wide receiver three that's that's capable and actually if he's that good somebody might want to take him as their number one wide receiver or their number two wide receiver so again it's another well, money money always comes into it yeah but if the saturated market it will depress the value of some of these players and you'll be able to go do you know what brilliant we didn't go and get Golladay or Juju because they're wide receiver ones somewhere and they deserve to be but that depresses the market you, so your Marvin Jones is free agency next season Antonio Brown Yes, let's have him every day. <laughs> well, he's he's definitely not a Raiders fan, so we we can put that there. Uh, yeah, but I, I tell you who it is I want us to go out and sign. I think he'd be a great Please. fit for our team. We've got Keenan Allen as receiver one. We've got Mike Williams for the big contested catch, but what we don't have is a reliable, fast um, receiver. And like Curtis Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> no, Curtis Samuel of the Panthers. It's going to be a free like agent that. this like year. He's been there four years. Yeah, but no. he's no. I love that pick though, Dan. I've I've seen every game of Curtis Samuel's career. Uh, well, his NFL career at least, um, and he's just he's dynamic. And yes, the Panthers use him, but are they going to want to keep him when they've got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, or is Curtis Samuel going to be the guy that they're like, yeah, we'll we're happy with our two. We'll get will keep Pharaoh Cooper or something and let Curtis Samuel leave. Um, I'm hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, um, I like that. I'm going to turn our attention out of free agency and turn it to the draft. And I want you to come up with a couple of names for our listeners to focus on in the off, in, in the uh, draft coverage that would undoubtedly begin in earnest soon. Um, for me, I'm going to start off and say, if we're talking about wide receiver, I like Jalen Waddle. Um, he's dropping in the draft because of his injury, um, but he, he's been a talented player at Alabama. He's very like Tyreek Hill. He's explosive. He can change a game in an instant. He was stuck behind Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and still was fantastic with 560 yards and six touchdowns, averaging 17 yards um, a reception. He was incredible. He, you know, as a freshman, he got seven touchdowns, 850 yards. Um, his injury is going to push him down. So if we have that scenario where we dra- trade back in the first and we may be able to pick up additional first-round picks and we have a luxury pick, what a player to match the Chiefs. Go and get Waddle, um, which I think is something we miss. We're missing an explosive player like Tyreek Hill. If we sign a wide out in the first round, I'll drink microwave tea for an entire year. It's not going to happen, <laughs> mate. But- Mate, mate, what if you can get Waddle on the back of a yeah, Chargers Yeah, that'd be jersey? good. For all the, that's the Sheffield Wesley connection for all those that didn't know. Um, but no, Penesil has to be number one. Whether we get him or not, I don't know. I know John's not here. Um, he hasn't made it tonight. He's a massive fan of trading back with a uh, quarterback greedy NFL team. And I think that's a very, very sensible option. But Sewell, uh, Patrick Certain at cornerback, you know, um, even if you want to look, if you've got Gregory Rousseau, Edge, um, and obviously Micah Parsons from Penn State, linebacker, they're the top four targets in my opinion. And people are probably saying, why linebacker? Well, 
you know, we might have to fall to round two to get our offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood or something like that. But there's no way, in my opinion, we're getting a wide out in round one. I just do not see it. And if we're going to trade back up, we go for an offensive tackle or an edge rusher. Yeah, I mean, I think it was back in episode four, we spoke about our predictions for who would be the college players to look out for. And we each had a few names. And two of the three names I had then, I'm just as high on now. Um, the third was Dylan Moses, who um, linebacker at Alabama, who was coming off a knee injury, I think, um, tore his ACL. But the other two names I'd got were Panay Sewell, who you don't really need to talk more about, and Kyle Pitts of Florida, who have been a force this year until they, I think they got beat by LSU this weekend, just gone. Um, I say, I think I know they got beat by LSU this weekend, just gone. Um, but uh, Kyle Pitts has just been, he's just been like uh, Kyle Trask's favorite target. You've had Kyle Pitts. Where's his stats? He's had 11 touchdowns this year, 640 yards at tight end in 10 games. Um, I mean, and he was already a high prospect at that time. It's, it would only be if we let, Henry go and I don't want us to let Henry go but if we did and we picked up someone like Jonu Smith then I'd like to see us get Kyle Trask but not in not overtaking a tackle I mean there's, there's two players that we're not going to um, draft but it, for, for you know our Chargers listeners that are interested in the draft in general that don't watch the college game Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, two yeah, phenomenal like him. running backs. Whoever yeah. picks them up in the 2021 draft are going to have phenomenal talent on their roster. Um, talking Nick Chubb and Derek Henry quality. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be picking either of those up. Um, just we don't. We yeah, arguably we do need something on the running game, but that's not really our priority this season. No, and yet you can rent a veteran to fill in because Eckler should be the star and the focus and we have some young players behind him and you can always add someone, uh, a bit of a veteran rather than take a first round running back, which I never think you should do. Uh, Melvin Gordon took that. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> um, I like Alex yeah. Leatherwood. Um, if you don't get Penny Sewell, you trade back. Alex Leatherwood, real talented player um, there as well. I mean, Sam Cosme's not... Not really a fit. I'm not as high on him as some others, but um, he looks good physically. So I'm keeping an eye on him. So there's definitely there's definitely O-line there, and I think we would all agree that's going to be really important. We think the Chargers will either potentially go D-line um, or O-line. Um, do you think... I mean, you've, you've, you've put on your line that you think they absolutely will not take a wide receiver. Was Do you think, if it's going to be an offensive player, it's definitely O-line... Or do you think there's any chance of another offensive position in the first round? No, I just think if you've got a chance to take Sewell or Leatherwood or one of the other top offensive tackles, bearing in mind we've already just mentioned that we've got all sorts of, of issues, you have to go for it. You know, um, I mean, Sewell, Oregon, with the connection with Herbert would be amazing. Um, it, it, I, Charge is going to have to be very, very clever to get him if we end up with a fifth or sixth or seventh uh, overall pick. Or the uh, Bengals have to be stupid. Or the Bengals have to be stupid, you know, because at the end of the day, they need to protect Joe Burrow. Uh, 
but I just don't see it. the The only way I would see us um, coming out of this handsomely if we followed John's strategy of 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 uh, doing a trade with a with a uh, a quarterback greedy team. And let's be honest, two thirds of the league need a long term quarterback. You know, look at Matt Ryan. He's knocking on forty. You know, the books they've got a, a veteran. He's probably in their last one, two, three years of his career. Pittsburgh, they've got to start looking at the future without Big Ben. Could go on and on and on. Derek Carr, you know, we're playing him on Thursday night. He's nearly thirty. I in my write up for Thursday's game, I talk about Carr and whether or not the, the the Raiders have got the right man at quarterback. They've got to make that decision. So we we've got a lot of draft capital and actually if you look at how our seasons panned out in twenty twenty and twenty nineteen it it could help us shape the future just because we've had two high draft picks. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, I've never been a fan of of um, middle middle of the road. Um, you're either in near or there. So uh, you've got to take the offensive tackles, in my opinion. Any other names to throw out, guys, before we move on to the end of our podcast? I mean, Kyle this week? Pitts obviously tight end, um, but it's looking like we're going to sign Hunter Henry. So again, Bez. I'm poo-pooing your um, option of going somewhere on the offence. Nothing here. <laughs> my my college knowledge is limited. Uh, I watch Florida, and that's about it. So Kyle Pitts was was Kyle Pitts and Penesel, uh kind of the names that I have followed since the start of the season. For our UK listeners that are new to the game, um, top tip for you, don't get too excited. Um, just have a look at previous top 10 uh, draft picks and some have been an absolute disaster. Look no further than Ryan Leaf, <laughs> Johnny Football. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Look, guys, it's been a fantastic episode. It's a victory. We're pumped for 2021. We are a talented team that needs to get healthy, get better at coaching, sign the right players back sign the best players on the free agent market and go nail the draft because there's nothing more exciting in sport than the off-season, the renewed hope of a Chargers Super Bowl at the end of the 21 season. Where are you all on the socials? Endzone85, you can get the main website at chargedup underscore bolts. And you can catch me at UKLA Chargers over on Twitter. I'm at Bez the Spaniard. The podcast is at Charged Up Pod. Get your questions in. We're going to be having a big listener question session next week. Got quite a few coming for for our guys, ready for the off season again. Um, and send ev- your content into us. Thank and you for don't listening. To get us on Facebook. Let's go. Oh yes, don't ever forget that Facebook competitions. We have some fantastic hats and vouchers that are being won. Come and get involved. Let's go beat the dirty Raiders. Come on, boys. <laughs>